All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Good afternoon. Good morning. I don't know when you're listening to this. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Dropping the Gloves. Tim's back home in Boston. He's feeling good. He's yeah, another haircut from this from the looks of it, Tim. Another one? Another haircut. Yeah, I was gonna get it last week, but I'm like, I'm gonna go back to my old my old haunt while I'm while I'm home. So yeah, I got that on Saturday and it was great. I wonder how many haircuts you get between the times I get my one haircut. At least four. Uh I'm on six so far this year. Dang. And it's, the only reason I know that is because we made it a thing. Like I, I, it doesn't feel weird to me, but here we I'm are. I'm on one. I've gotten one this calendar year. And look at how good Does I Does your hair not grow, though? I just cut it really short, and then I just let it grow really long, and then I just lather, rinse, repeat, and away we Medieval go. style. I just, don't, I just don't care. It's getting gray. All right. Big trade, Tim. Probably and I'm not over-exaggerating this, the biggest trade in our lifetime, the, the biggest trade with the most talent being swapped that I've ever seen. Yes, I've seen the Wayne Gretzky trade. He was the one talented player going. Yes, I've seen the Joe Thornton trade. He was the talented player going. I've seen a Gimla. I've seen Bork. I've seen all these guys being traded. There was never in my, that I can remember, a 24-year-old 104-point player being traded for a 29-year-old 115-point player, both players arguably in their prime, being swapped for each other. I can never remember, and I went back, I did some digging, I can't think of any trades where it's been two 100-point players being swapped with each other. It's an unheard-of thing, especially in today's salary cap era, where people are so, they're so very cognizant of the money, how things work. It just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen, especially two guys who are going to be unrestricted free agents at the end of the year. This is before Kachuk re-signed that massive deal with Florida. It's a big trade. It's a big gamble. Both GMs took massive swings. This is a big deal when a president's trophy winner looks at the roster and says, we're pretty much bringing back the roster we had last year. Yes, we lost a few pieces But for the most part, we're bringing back all of our stars. And he acknowledges and he says, you know what? It didn't work last year. For as good as we were in the regular season, 
It did not translate to playoff success. So we need to change things up. This is, this is a big deal that he's doing this. And he went out and he traded his best player and he's bringing in hopefully another player who can add another element. Matthew Kuchuk is a pill to play against. You see it everywhere he goes. He has rivalries with every team he plays against because he's just that type of player. And to boot, the guy can put up 40 goals a season. His type of talent is very rare. It's not every day you can see a guy who can be the toughest guy on your team and also score the most goals. That's Matthew Kuchuk on the Florida Panthers now. Maybe he wasn't the toughest on Calgary because they had Lucic, they had DeBrantz, and they had a really tough team. He is the toughest guy on the Florida Panthers. He will score the most goals on the Florida Panthers. He will get the most pims on the Florida Panthers. He does it all. That's what makes him so valuable. And Calgary traded him away. Matthew Kachuk did not want to be in Calgary. He made that known the minute he was drafted. We, we went over this last episode. He was just a pain to sign after his entry-level contract. He held out. He wanted just a bridge term. Calgary wanted long-term. Calgary just gave in and said, here's your bridge term. You will be a free agent when you're 25 years old because you're going to file for arbitration. Welcome to free agency when you're 25 years old. Calgary expedited that. They offer, offered team-elected salary arbitration. The writing was on the wall. They needed to trade Kachuk. They were dealing from a position of weakness, you would think. Right, Tim? When, it, when a team knows the player doesn't want to be there, the other GMs in the league are circling like hungry vultures. They see a weakness, and they're going to take advantage of it. Calgary, all of a sudden, flips the switch and makes this deal, and, and it's a pretty good deal. What do you think, Tim? Oh, I think it's a great deal for them, especially considering the circumstances. Like, obviously, they wanted to keep Kerchuk, but when a player comes out and, and speaks and says to the media, like, I'm not interested, and all these reports come out, he doesn't want to stay there, then you lose all the bargaining power. You're supposed to, anyway. And for them to go out and still trade this piece who didn't even have a contract in hand and get a 115-point player, like you said, a really good defenseman in Mackenzie Wegar and a first-round pick, I think it's a great move for them, all things considered. They do have a lot of question marks. Like you said, Hooper does a, a unrestricted free agent. He's 29 years old at the end of the, at the end of the season. Wegar also has an expiring contract. I think he's a really good underrated defenseman. But, you know, a year from now, are either of those two guys going to want to stay in Calgary, especially considering they, they take a considerable step back with even if you think this trade's a wash or if they got a little bit better with Huberdeau and Wegar over Kachuk, they still lost Johnny Gaudreau. So they could end up losing all these pieces. Well, let's just let's not jump too far ahead. Let's just look at this trade right now. The players being swapped. Who wins this trade? I think right now for this season, for July 25th, the winner of this trade has to be the Calgary Flames. Just looking at the players, the talent, the draft picks, everything being swapped. Florida gets Kachuk. Great player. Elite player. We know what Kachuk could do. Calgary gets Jonathan Huberdeau. Arguably the best player in the trade. Huberto gets 115 points last year, tied for second in the league, tied with Johnny Gaudreau, who walked from Calgary. I don't want to throw Johnny in this, this deal because he's not a part of it, but Huberto gets 115. I would think a straight-up swap for both of these players would have been fair. That To me, that's an even trade. They both will be unrestricted free agents after this season. And they both were... Elite players last year, MVP candidates. To me, that's an even trade. The fact that Calgary 
gets included Uyghur or Uyghur, Uyghur. I don't know how to say his name. They get him. They get Schwint, who's a third rounder. I don't know why he's included. Maybe he turns out to be a, a third or fourth line guy, but another little prospect. He was drafted in 2019, I want to say. And then on top of that, you get a first rounder in 2025. Yes, but it's a first round draft pick. Who knows where that pick lies once, once Florida is all said and done, but you get all those pieces and arguably you get the best player. I don't understand how Florida can give up so much and only get Matthew. And yes, you get a conditional fourth rounder. Okay. So fourth rounder that makes up for everything. It's a home run for Calgary. And you mentioned, yes, Huberto's on the end of his year, last year of his deal. Wegar's on the end of his last year of his deal. That doesn't matter. Right now, when they drop the puck for next season, all the talent in this trade, not all of it, Kachuk is a good player. Uyghur, on any team in the NHL, I would say on 80% of the teams in the NHL, he's a top D pairing. He is a very good pairing. It just so happened in Florida, he's playing behind Gustav Forsling and Aaron Ekblad. So he he's playing behind those two guys. He goes to Calgary now, who is just loaded on the back end. They're going to have potentially the best decor in the NHL. They have guys sitting out who are better than most defensemen starting in the NHL. They still have to sign Oliver Kyling. Silington? He's got a weird name. I you pronounce his name. It's like K-Y-L-I-N-G. Silington, I think it's called. But you add him to that defensive mix, it's a very dangerous defense Calgary has amassed. And they were a good defensive team last year. So just for a one-year snapshot, Calgary nails this trade. And then it just got me thinking, well, why would Florida give up so much for Matthew Kachuk? Obviously, they negotiated with uh, Kachuk's agent before the trade saying, we're going to get him. Will he re-sign? And Matthew put Florida on his small list of teams that he was willing to be dealt with. So he knew there was some interest there. And they get him signed. But I think Florida had to give up so much. And they were, they were also dealing from a position of weakness because they weren't going to be able to assign Huberto next year. They weren't going to sign Uyghur next year for that amount. These two guys, we talk about Pasternak's deal. We talk about Marshawn's deal. We talk about McKinnon's deal. These two guys were on such team-friendly contracts. I, I, I went and looked at it on a cap-friendly. I was like, that's insane. Jonathan Huberto makes $5.9 million. The guy has been a star in this league for over four or five years, and he only makes $5.9 million. Mackenzie Uyghur makes three point two five. These two players will be due for a huge contract upgrade next year. And if you're the Florida Panthers, if you're going into this season, do you think you're going to trade your best player and potentially your second best defenseman if you're a Stanley Cup contender? You're not going to deal those guys. Then at the end of the season, you're just going to have to let them walk like Johnny Gaudreau did with the Calgary Flames this year. So I I think both GMs made a smart decision. Bill Zeal saw the writing on the wall. Florida was a good team this year. President's Trophy winners. But he knew he wasn't going to be able to sign these two guys. There's Florida is over the cap as it stands right now. They are still $3 million over the cap. They still have to make some moves to get cap compliant by the start of the season. So it was going to be tricky as it stands. Do you think they were going to be able to resign Huberto and Uyghur at the end of the season for massive pay raises? Huberto is going to ask for $9 million. Uyghur is going to ask for $6, 7000000 million. It wasn't going to happen. He knew this. He had to make a trade. He was also dealing from a position of weakness, just like Calgary was. These two guys met up. I think it was a perfect scenario. It, it, it was a win-win for both teams. But as it stands, just one year right now, I think Calgary wins the trade. 
fast forward to the end of the season, maybe Huberto doesn't stay. Maybe Uyghur doesn't stay. Maybe they have to trade those guys, get a just a boatload at the deadline. You can imagine if if Tampa Bay gives up two first rounders for what's his face. Just imagine what you can get for Huberto. You're, you're talking five to ten first round draft picks if that's the going rate. But I just think right now, Tim, I, I saw who was involved in this trade, and I was shocked. I said the best player is going to Calgary, Huberto. And then I know Florida gets Kinchuk, but boy, oh boy. Traveling comes out smelling like roses after this whole two-week saga of losing Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk saying he doesn't want to resign. He's all of a sudden restocked the shelves. If I'm a Calgary Flames fan, if I'm a Calgary Flames player, I'm ecstatic right now. You get rid of two players who don't want to be there. You get restocking the cooking shelf, cookie shelves with all the draft picks and the good players and this and that, and you still are competitive this year because you get the best player in the trade and you get a fantastic defenseman. Now you go and you shop around the league. You say, hey, I have... All of these NHL-ready defensemen, I am ready to deal. You got Hannafin, you got Anderson, you got Tanev, you got Zadorov, you got Valimaki, you got Silington. You have so many good defensemen, and teams are always in need of defense, and Calgary has a plethora of them, and they need to move them because right now they only have nine guys under contract for forwards under NHL deals. They have some dealing to do. This is not the end of the wheeling and dealing from Brad traveling right now. He has, he has some work to do. But boy, all of a sudden, you think after losing your top two players in a two-week span, you're going to just be down in the dumps. You'll be a bad team for the foreseeable future. I thought that's where they were going to end up. I don't mind where Calgary sits right now, Tim. I don't mind it at all. Maybe if I'm Nazim Kadri, I wouldn't mind playing with Huberto. I wouldn't mind going to this team now. I know Kadri, he rejected a trade at Calgary three years ago when he was with the Leafs. He said, no, I'm not going to Calgary. Chose Colorado instead. Maybe I rethink that. Maybe all of a sudden Calgary is not so bad of a destination to go to when you, when you have this potential. They still have Lindholm. He's in an elite center. They have some good pieces around them. They're getting a few guys off the, the salary books next year, so they're going to have money to spend. Monahan, who knows where he's going to end up, his big 6.375 contract. He's on the long-term injury reserve right now. Calgary did okay, Tim, all things considered. I don't know. I've been blabbing on about this. There's so much to dig into. What do you think? Well, wouldn't you have thought a few days ago in Calgary's position, they have an uh, RFA who doesn't have a contract, who has very outspokenly wanted to leave town. They have no like bargaining power in that deal. Wouldn't you have thought they would have had to get rid of him and not get as much back as they would have wanted? Oh, absolutely. Right? Thought- Especially given that RFA says, I, I am only going to these teams. So don't even bother negotiating with anybody else. He gave them a list. So that even further just digs a hole. For the GM to say, what do you want me to do? Like, you gave me four teams, and he still knocks out of the park. It's amazing. He did a great job traveling. Yeah, that all said, I mean, you got to like this deal for Calgary as well. Like, they wouldn't have been able to keep Huberto. Maybe we are, but now they have a 24-year-old superstar. They've locked up long-term. They got younger. Maybe they didn't get better this year, but they certainly got better over the course of this contract. And they got a few things to figure out, like you said, with their cap situation. But I think they it's a, a, a rare trade where I think both teams got what they wanted and they, they came out on top. So maybe Calgary wins this year just based on the talent. But there's a lot of question marks around in those contracts and the longevity of if whether those guys will stick around. Well, and that's that's the big question, right? Why are all of these star players not willing to play in Calgary? 
Why did Johnny Gaudreau all of a sudden not want to end his career with the Calgary Flames? Usually that's a player's dream. You get drafted by a team, you go there, you play well, you get extended, and then you get extended again, and then you're a lifelong player. That's, that's always been the dream. You, you want to stay in one spot, but it didn't happen. He left money on the table and he wanted to leave. He, he wrote a great piece for the Players' Tribune, blah, blah, blah. He wanted to go somewhere else, man, 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 family, this and that. I don't, I don't really buy it. I don't think he liked Calgary. I think he wanted to go somewhere else, and he picked Columbus. Who cares? Why did Matthew Kuchuk not want to play in Calgary? He's a young kid. He's got the keys to the city. He could have done whatever he wanted. They were offering him anything, $11 million over eight years, which is an insane number for Matthew Kachuk. They offered it to him. He turned it down. Why does he not want to play in Calgary? Why are all these star players all of a sudden shunning away from the Calgary Flames? I don't know. Is it because they're dumpy arena? Is it because it's in northern Alberta? I don't know. Calgary's a great city. I've always had a good time there. But there is something to be said to the idea of playing in Canada. There's a lot of pros that come with playing in Canada. You get the recognition. You get the the satisfaction of playing in Canada. Most players in the NHL, I would say half are Canadian. So the hometown pride. But with that becomes a lot of negative. There's never a day off playing in Canada. There's never a time where you could just exhale exhale, and just be like, ah, I, I, I can get away from the game. You step out of the rink, there's people who recognize you. You go to the grocery store, you get recognized. You go to the movie theater, you get recognized. Every time you leave your house, apartment, condo, wherever, you get recognized. People ask you about the team. Why is this happening? What's going on here? Why isn't this working? What's wrong with you? Why didn't you score last game? There was never a second where you can just unplug from the game. As a young kid, that's exciting. You go to Montreal, you go to Toronto, you go to Calgary, Vancouver, Winnipeg, Ottawa, whatever. It's exciting when you're young. After the first year, you're like, ah, you know, it's maybe not so exciting. Year two, year three, year four, it wears on you. You see it all the time in Toronto. These guys, they go and play. The Dion Phaneufs, the Lupuls, the Kessels, it wears on you. When you first go there, the interviews are fun. You're bantering. You're going back and forth with the media. Go and look back at Dion Phaneufs interactions with the media when he first went to Calgary and Toronto to his last years there. It was a completely different person. He was so fun and engaging and exciting. And then the last couple of years, people hated him because he was just so crass, so short. He's like, what do you think? What do you, you know, the answer to that. He was just sparring with these reporters. The same thing with Kessel, the same thing with everybody that happens to every single player. And this is why, and I'm not going to say everybody, this is why the majority of NHL players, and I know from experience, I've talked to guys, I've been in rooms where people at the end of the season talking about where they're going to go. I've been in locker rooms way more than our listeners have been in. So don't call me on this because I'm a goon. All these people, what do you know? You're just a goon. You only scored five goals. I know. I was around these guys for 10 years. Dummy. I know what goes on. People don't want to play in Canada for that fact. That's why. That's, that's it. That is the, the long and short of it. People love the pressure. People love the atmosphere for a little bit and then it just becomes annoying and then it just becomes one of these things where you don't want to be there anymore and if you're making that much money and you're going to sign up to play in a city for eight years why would you put yourself through that why not go and sign in florida when you can go to the rink play the game go back home go to the park the next day and no one knows who you are go to the grocery store no one knows who you are go do anything and no one knows who you are it's a no-brainer that's why tampa bay's it's a city people want to go play Florida, Dallas, Brent Burns, when he wanted to get traded from San Jose, he could have went anywhere he wanted. 
anybody would want Brent Burns. The teams he gave the list, he wanted to go to Dallas Stars first. You know why? Because there's anonymity. You can play the game. It's a great city to go to, and then you can go on your way. Even a Brent Burns, a guy who looks, no one looks like Burnsy. He can go walk around Dallas and not get noticed. And that's why Kachuk left Calgary. That's why people don't want to go to Calgary. That's why Nazim Kadri does not want to go to Calgary. It's because it's in Canada. It's because the fans are passionate and it's because they want to win. And there is not a second of any day of the year that you will not get pestered, asked, approached by fans asking what's going on or even congratulating you going out to dinner. Hey, can I get a picture? It's annoying and it wears on you. Yes, it's great. Yes, we appreciate it, but it is annoying at the end of the day when you can't just sit down and enjoy a subway sub and just eat it without someone coming up and tapping on your shoulder. Uh, Mr. Matthews, can I get a quick picture? Matthews is gone from Toronto. Just all these star players, they're not going to want to be there. That's why I sent out this tweet after the Calgary situation. Goudreau has gone. Kachuk's gone. I said, Toronto, this is a look into your future. This is what will happen in a few years when Marner's contract's up, when Matthew's contract's up, when Nylander's contract's up. All of these guys are going to leave. Just get ready. The writing is on the wall. Austin Matthews does not want to be in Toronto right now. Yes, he got to hang out with Justin Bieber for a hot minute. Bieber's not popular anymore. Austin Matthews is gone. I sent out that tweet. People are upset. Tim, what's going on? How upset are people, Tim, on a scale of 1 to 10? Uh, the Leafs fans especially, yeah, they were at a 10 over this. They were at DEFCON 1. It was like it was just so funny to read. And most of them, like, a lot of them were those boring takes. They're like, oh, what does John Scott know? Pun- punched in the head too many times, blah, 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 blah. And they're also saying, well, they're comparing Toronto to Calgary, the cities, the franchises. Like, hey, this is a city where people want to be. Like, the, the, the sports, the amenities, the things that C- Toronto has that, that Calgary Toronto sucks. But, Toronto sucks. Well, that's well. That's Calgary's, but be- even Calgary's still, better than Toronto. Well, yeah, but still, that's that's an opinion based. But like the fact is that it's, we're talking United States versus Canada, and all these reasons that the players don't want to be in Canada, including um, Bar Down and TSN picked up that tweet and posted it on Instagram. One of the top comments was from Chris Versteeg, another NHL player, who's like totally agreed. I forget what he said word for word, but he's like, yeah, a hundred percent, the guys don't want to play in Canada right now. And so there's definitely something to this, and the fact that I don't know, like when's When's the last time a big free agent signed in Canada? It was Tavares, right? He's only one in the last 10 years, and that was his hometown team. And even his, how has that worked out? So I don't know. There's something to be said for all this. I'm telling you right now, 2023-24, you're going to have two players walk away from Toronto, Nylander and Matthews. Get ready for it. Maybe Nylander resigns. Maybe, because the Leafs will offer him a big boatload of money because they know they have to keep one of these guys. They will be gone. Fast forward to the next year. Tavares and Marner are gone. All of a sudden, in three years' time, your top four players, they are gone. Mark my word, it's going to happen. And that's why I really do love what the Florida Panthers GM did. He saw the writing on the wall. His best player was up, and he pulled the trigger. I don't think the GM in Toronto has the stones to do that. He doesn't have the chutzpah to put his job on the line and say, you know what, it's not working in Toronto. Well, he should have done it two years ago. Now, now he's made his bet. He's got to ride with these guys. But he should have did it two years ago and said, you know what? It's not working. I'm going to switch it up, and we're going to see what happens. But that's why it, it's great with Florida GM's done. He's made some moves. But when you look back the last couple of years or even the last few months, go back to last year's trade deadline. What has Florida given up, Tim? And what have they gotten? Just, just read down the massive laundry list 
that Bill Zito has traded away into what he's actually got in Florida. Because it's astounding. Yeah, this great tweet that got picked up over the weekend. This is all in the last five months, dating back to the trade deadline and then this offseason. Florida has traded away three first-round picks, Huberdeau, Uyghur, two prospects, a third-rounder, a fourth-rounder. It's a lot of assets. And in return, they've gotten two months of Claude Giroux, two months of Ben Chirot, and Matthew Kachuk. So basically all of that for Matthew Kachuk. That's, I'm going to read it again. Three first-rounders, Huberdeau, 115-point player, Uyghur, 44-year-old, 44-point defenseman, two prospects, multiple picks for two months of Giroux, two months of Sherratt, and Matthew Kachuk. It's insane. It's a lot. It's absolutely insane. But you know what? I kind of love it. I kind of love it because he's going for it. He saw his window. He saw how good they were last year. And instead of sitting on his picks and, and planning for the future and not mortgaging the future and say, you know, what, we're going to try to win with this team. He went for it. And you have to commend the guy for that. He went for it. He saw his window. Tampa Bay was floundering. Toronto was always shaky. You can never know how they're going to react in the playoffs. And he's like, I'm going for it. I'm going to go out. I'm going to get the best forward on the market. I'm going to get the best defenseman on the market. And I'm going all in, man. He pushed his chips into the middle. And then he lost. He lost. Tampa Bay swept him the playoffs. So be it. You, you cannot fault the GM for trying. As a player, when you know you have a chance to win the Cup, there's very few small windows of opportunity to win the Stanley Cup as a player. Yes, you can jump on a team, and it's just like lightning in a bottle. We're seeing that now with the Tampa Bay Lightning. It's just a perfect situation. All these players gel. They're hitting their prime at the same time. A team like Florida, this was your window. This was your St. Louis Blues moment, your Washington Capitals moment. Those teams had one-year one windows. And Florida's window is right now. And they went for it and they missed. And now we'll see if they can they can extend that window. They bring in Matthew Kachuk. Jonathan Huberto didn't work. Let's see if Matthew Kachuk can kind of fill that void and we can extend this window. I don't think they can. I think that was it. Last year was their year. They didn't take that opportunity. And now they're going to fade into the abyss, just like the Capitals did, just like the Blues did. And it's going to take a lot of years to build back up to that level. But, you know, you can't fault them for it. He went for it. Yes, he paid a lot. Yes, he's. I think maybe the Kachuk trade was a little bit of a stretch. I think maybe he should have waited on that. I, I don't know if I would have pushed that trade button just just then. But what are you going to do? You know what I thought was funny is everybody's bagging on Bill Zito. Everyone, you go back to the Chicago Stan Bowman and the Chicago Blackhawks. How good they were. Dale Talon built both of those teams. He built the Chicago Blackhawks into perennial Stanley Cup contenders. They won three cups, and he built this Florida Panthers team into what they are today. He drafted all these young guys. He, he built this team from the ground up when they were really bad. And now he's working for Vancouver, but he doesn't get much recognition. He just builds teams, makes them into contenders, and he leaves off in the middle of the night. It's, it's pretty neat how this works. But let's go, let's go back to the Toronto tweet because I want to address something. Everybody's saying Matthews and Kachuk are not similar because Austin has, has talked in the media about how he wants to resign in Toronto. He wants to remain a Leaf forever. You did a little digging, Tim. What did Matthew Kachuk say when, when he was asked about re-signing in Calgary not too long ago? Yeah, this is in May. This is less than two months ago. He was asked about signing a long-term deal with the Flames, and he said, quote-unquote, absolutely. I would love to. I love it here. I love the people here. I would be very open to that. Say that again. Read it again. Read it again. <laughs> absolutely. I love to. I love it here. I love the people here. I would be very open to that. L liar. 
<laughs> or something changed. But either way, you can't take what the players say to the media at face value. Not, he's a liar. You can't base, you can't say that quote if you're Matthew Kachuk, then all of a sudden Johnny Gaudreau leaves and you're like, I changed my mind. Change my I don't love well, it. But why did he why did he say it like that? Like he was so convincing. Like the he was so convincing in his argument, the movie quote. It's just like, why not just say, Hey, yeah, I'm totally open to that. Why say I love it. I love the people. I love it here. Absolutely. Like what? Well, you can tell he was just in that quote. He was just reacting. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I love it here. I love it here for sure. I'm going to stay. It's like when you're with a girl and she's like, you're going to break up with me, aren't you? <laughs> like, no, no, honey, not never, never <laughs> going to happen. And you just start spewing stuff. You're beautiful. You're this and that. You're this and that. Then you break up with her like the next day because you don't want to deal with the, the, the blowback. You don't want to deal with just the media. Oh, what do you mean? He didn't say he loved it here. Does he not love it here? And it's just another month and a half of people blowing up your phone at the rink, asking you questions. You're on vacation. People are asking you, why aren't you going to resign in Calgary? He's done that dance before when he was signing his ELC after his ELC deal was done. So he has done that dance. He's talked to his dad. He's talked to his brother. He didn't want to deal with it again. So he would lie. He just lies. Everybody. That's all they do in hockey. The GMs, the players, the agents, everybody, they just lie. Nothing they say is true. So when people in Toronto say, well, Austin, he told us that he wants to resign. He loves it here. He's not going anywhere. He's lying. He's lying to your face. He's going somewhere else. He's going somewhere south and he's going somewhere west and he's going to be warm and he's going in the off season. Where does he go? He goes to California. He goes to Arizona and he loves the sun. He's, he's the surfer dude. That's where he goes. He's got the mustache. It fits down there. It doesn't fit in Toronto. He is gone. So for all those people who say, no, you're wrong, John, you're an idiot. Matthew Kachuk said this two months ago. I want to be in Calgary forever. I love it. It's the best. I'm never going anywhere. Trust me, everybody. He's gone. He's in Florida for eight years. Austin Matthews is gone. Get used to it. Leaves forever. All right. You know what else is forever? DoorDash. I love DoorDash. Austin Matthew loves DoorDash. And I bet you better believe Matthew Kachuk loves DoorDash, Tim. And they love it because it's fast. It's reliable. It's quick, which is another word for fast. And it just gets you the food you want. And it gets you there really fast and quick because DoorDash is the best at what they do. So use our promo code GLOVESDD if you're in Canada. Well, not Matthew Kuchuk. Matthew, if you're in Florida, use promo code GLOVESDDUS now. You get 25% off free delivery your first order, and you get your food, you get your beers, you get your waters, you get your Gatorades, whatever you want. DoorDash does it. They do it fast. They do it the best. They're the best in the business. I use them. Tim uses them. You guys should. Most of our listeners, I want to say all, should use DoorDash because it's just a great company. And give us a little help. Use our promo code GLOVESDDUS if you're in the US of A. GLOVESDD if you're in Canada. Check it out. DoorDash. Tim, can you use DoorDash on your phone, your app, your computer, all that stuff? All of the above, John. Thanks for asking. You're welcome. So, yeah, check out DoorDash, everybody. All right. The Kachuk trade happened. Huberdo's in Calgary. There were some other big signings that happened. There was a couple very surprising trades. The Columbus Blue Jackets. We all know they got Johnny Gaudreau. They needed a winger to play with Johnny on the other side. They needed a guy to be the goal scorer. Johnny is a facilitator. Johnny has never been known as a a finisher. He will put the puck where you want it so you can score the goal. That's what he did. That's what he did with Matthew Kachuk. That's what he is going to do with Patrick Laine. 
Patrick Line, a restricted free agent, signs a, a pretty big deal. I, I was a little shocked by these numbers. Yes, Patrick Line, he had the big first season. Where he scored, what did he score his first season, Timmy? He lit up the world. He was on fire. What did he get? It was, I think it was 36 his first season and 44 his second. So he came into the NHL just scoring insane amounts of goals. The last few seasons, and not so great. You know, he, he came into Winnipeg, gets 30, gets 28. Last year, he gets 26 with Columbus. The year before that, he only gets 12 in a 46-game season. So he, he has been struggling the last three years. So I would say four years for a player of Patrick Laine's ilk, for a player who is just a goal scorer. Like, he is a certified sniper. He's a Brett Hall. He's an Alex Ovechkin. He's a guy who you put him in that spot and he scores goals. 30 goals is not enough for him, in my opinion. He signs for $8.7 million. Is this an overpay for Columbus, just kind of reacting that they get Johnny Gaudreau, they have to sign Patrick Laine? What do you think of this deal, Tim? It might be a little bit of an overpay, but I don't think it's it's that much of an overpay. I don't think he's been that bad. He has had a couple of tough seasons. He missed most of 2021, and then he he didn't really score a ton. But last year, he had 56 points in 56 games. 26 points would come out to like, you know, 35 to 40 in a full season. I think he's a good player. Still just 24 years old, too. So he's going to be entering his prime with this deal. It's weird to think about because he's been in the league for so long. He broke in at 18, so... I think it's fine. And I think he's super happy to be playing with Gaudreau too. There's a great quote from him uh, when he saw the trade come through and he said, he talked to the GM and he told him, I don't think I've ever been this excited to play hockey and maybe be able to play with this type of guy talking about Gaudreau, um, which is true, which is really cool because like you say, Gaudreau is a, a disher and line is a sniper. So the, hopefully they, they fit really well together. Yeah. I think this is a little bit of an overpay. I, uh, you pay for the name. Uh, I don't know what, and I, I think they had to sign him. They had to re-sign him because if you let him walk, if you can't get him wrapped up, and all of a sudden you just have Johnny Gaudreau playing with Roslovic and who knows who else Columbus has at this point, this was a deal that had to be made. And I don't know. When you, when you look at the comparables, he's with the Stamkoses of the world. He's with the Crosbys. He was with the Kaprizovs. He's with those types of players, the Drinsinals, the Binajads, the Philippe Forsbergs, the Ajos. I am taking every one of those players over Patrick Line. I know Patrick Line can score goals. What else can he do? What else can he do, Tim? What do you mean? Like, what, what else does he bring to the table? Does he kill penalties? Is he a disher? Uh, Is he in the four no. check? Is he a good two way player? There's more tangibles in hockey than just scoring. And I think Patrick Line is a one-dimensional player. I hope he develops his game the same way Stamkos did, the same way Ovechkin did. But I don't see it yet. I don't see him bringing other things to the table other than put me in this spot on the power play and I'm going to bury a goal once every 10 shots. Maybe I can go coast to coast every 20 games and it'll look pretty. I don't see him bringing the amount that all these other players bring to the table. Kirill Kaprizov, an electric player. Crosby, we all know what Crosby does. Stamkos is arguably one of the best all-around players in the in the game now. Philippe Forsberg, I think, is a more complete player. Zabinajad, Dreinsettle, Aho, all of these players bring more, and that's that's the group that he's going to be compared to now. He's making eight point seven million dollars. He's a big boy now. This this is this is what his standards that he's going to be held to held to, and I don't think he he is up to that. I don't think he's going to be that type of player. And it's only a four-year deal. I get that. But, boy, that's it seems like an overpay. I think Line a, 
lands 6.5, $7 million for me for what he's done the last three seasons. I think that's a good number for him. Trains like that to a guy like Oliver Bjorkstrand, who they traded away, he's on a great deal. And they trade him to Seattle as a cap-cutting move, and they only get a third and fourth rounder. Don't look now. Bjorkstrand had more goals in line than did last year. 28 goals, 29 assists, and 57 points. More, more, more than Line, and they trade him away. So I, I don't really understand what Columbus is doing. Yes, I know they're trying to navigate the salary cap. They don't have the deep pockets like the other teams do, but with the Line signing, with the Goudreau addition, shipping off Bjorkstrand, I don't understand where Columbus sits right now. They still have a lot of holes left in this lineup. Yes, they get the best player who was available this offseason in Johnny Goudreau, which is a complete shock to everybody. They have a Jakob Voracek who's 32, which is insane that he's only 32. Maybe he can fill in there on the second-line wing. You need centermen. Right now, this team has no centermen at all. There was nobody on this team who is even, in my opinion, a second-line center. I know Jack Roslevic is good. He's a good young centerman. He needs to be your third-line center. If he slots in on the second line or the first line, you are not going to be a successful hockey team. So where do you go? If you're the Columbus Blue Jackets, if you need to find center help, I don't know. I don't know. There's not a guy out there that I think makes this team a lot better that you're not going to have to pay through the teeth for. I don't know. What do you, is there somebody out there, Tim, that I don't know about? Well, Kadri still hasn't signed yet. Is he looking at the situation a little bit differently than he, met, he was a week ago with these two stars there? Potentially. But again, if you're Nazim Kadri and you're picking your place, he said he wants to go somewhere that is going to be a competitive team. And don't look now, Columbus is already over the salary cap. So they don't have much money to spend. In fact, they have to shed $1 million worth of salary. So they're, they're not at a, at a position of strength going into this season where they have to all of a sudden cobble together a first line with Jack Roslevic. Uh, I, don't, I just don't know. I don't know. I, I know the GM said when Johnny Gaudreau knocks on your door, you have to answer. I get that. That's, that's nice. Then to trade away Bjorkstrand. I don't understand that. And to give Line A this number. At this term, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't like it. If I'm Johnny Gaudreau, I'm just like, who's my center now? I thought you guys were going to go out and get somebody. Now I'm playing with Roslovic and Line A. Who's going to play defense on this line? It's, I don't know. I, well, I don't know. typically the center is like the playmaker on the line. The fact they have that in Gaudreau, that take a pressure off the hat. Like, do they need an elite center at this point? Maybe just a responsible two-way guy who's not going to make a mistake and can bury the chances he needs to. If they've got two elite wingers and one of them is a disher, maybe they don't need a star center. No, I agree. Or am I totally off there? No, I think you're totally on. I think Elias Lindholm fit that bill in Calgary. I don't think Lindholm is elite, elite. He's a very good player. Don't, don't get me he's wrong. He's a 40-goal scorer. You're right. He's a very good, like, he's a very, very, very good player. I don't think he is an elite center. Right? Yeah. Like he he's not going to be in the conversation for the top ten centermen in the league. That being said, Jack Roslovic is no Elias Lindholm, not even close. I think you can go if if I'm the Columbus Blue Jackets, you need to make a move. You need to try to shore up the middle of your ice because how do you win Stanley Cups, Tim? You win it down the middle on the back end. And right now, Columbus has nobody down the middle. Nobody at all. Their back end is okay. They overpaid for good Branson, but they got Wawrinski. They have some pieces back there, but boy, they are strong on the wing. And there's very few Stanley Cup champions that win the Stanley Cup by being strong on the wing. It just doesn't happen. It does not happen. You need to be strong down the middle, have good goaltending. That's how you're going to win. Look at the Colorado Avalanche. Arguably the best one-two punch last year on centerman. Look at the Tampa Bay Lightning. 
arguably the best one-two punch at centerman in the NHL. So I don't know. We'll see what happens, but it, it is exciting. I think Columbus may be overpaid for line. A, didn't need to get Gaudreau, but what are you going to do? Like the Florida Panthers GM, you got to swing. You only have a finite amount of time as a GM in this league. And do you want to be a GM like the Kevin Shevel day off in Winnipeg? who just doesn't make any big moves and just holds tight with your players. Oh, they're going to figure it out. And then 10 years pass and you got nothing to show for it. No trades, no deals, no big signings, no anything. And then you're just fired. I like what these GMs are doing. They're attempting to win. They're signing good players. It's good. It's good talking fodder. Will Columbus be a contender this year, Tim? Yes or no? Uh, contender for a cup or yeah, well, what, uh, no, a contender for uh, yes, the cup, Tim. That's all. That's what we're yeah. Doing. No, 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 not even close. I don't even know if they make the playoffs, honestly. Who are they going to knock out? How many of the spots are up for grabs? Maybe Washington. You can make a case for the Bruins to take a step back. We can make a good case for the Bruins, Tim. We can make a good case for the Bruins. Well, it depends on what Bergeron and Krejci do. But, yeah, no, they're not going to make the playoffs. No way. Has Chara officially retired? No. Nope. <laughs> the boys are back in town. He's going back, He's going back to Boston <laughs> for sure. They're going to trade for Lucic. It's going to just be Timmy Thomas is coming back. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be incredible. They're all coming back and then they're just going to get all, they're all going to die of a heart attack at the same time on the ice. It's going to be great. I, I am going to love that TV. Let's do some quick, quick hits, Tim. And who are quick hits presented by? They're presented by our friends at Points Bet. Let's start with the Dubois sign. Oh, he- love Points Bet. I'm excited to get back. I think we should do the Points Bet thing next year where we actually do put some money in the kitty. And we just we, we show the fans our account every single day. This is what we bet one game a day, and we just make it wide open. We, we, this is what we're doing. We'll, we'll show a tweet every single Maybe not every day because that's a lot. Maybe a couple times a week. Once this a is week. John's account. Yeah. This is Tim's account. We each put a hundred thousand in there, and then we go. Away we go. We we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. But I think that's the way to go because points bet is it's it's legit. It's 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 really really good. All right, now let's let's do quick kits presented by points bet. Tim, what do we got going on here? Yeah, Dubois signed in Winnipeg for one year, six million dollars. I thought that was a little a little surprising. Um, six million dollars is probably it's probably right on the money, but it seemed like it, that deal wasn't going to get done. So good for them. Winnipeg's another team at some point this summer, John. I think we should do a little expose on and figure out what the heck is going on there because they've been so good on paper for so long. And a lot of people are talking about really since since the buffs of the world left. Like how how is there's, there's some issue in that locker room, I think, because how the guy, the team that has like the uh, Wheelers and Shifley's and Ehlers Connors and, and, and Ehlers Connors. and all these guys, yeah. And, yeah, and arguably a top goalie. You know, Hellebuck wasn't great this past season, but he's been really good for a decade. It doesn't make sense, but we can do that another day. Um, but he's, he's staying in Winnipeg for at least one more year. Another signing that happened over the weekend, Nino Niederreiter signed with Nashville for two years of $4 million per. Good good deal for them. I thought he'd be worth a little bit more, especially the, the names that like the Burakovskis are going for and Raquel, and he's only getting $8 million over two years. I thought that was a little strange. It uh, is so strange. I, I like myself some, sorry to jump in. I like myself some Nito Niederreiter. He, he's produced everywhere he's gone, and I don't know why he, a team wouldn't want to lock this guy up for a longer term. I don't understand it, but Nashville has quietly gone about this offseason and made some pretty good moves. They keep Philippe Forsberg. They bring in McDonough. They've signed Nino Niederreiter. But for a guy like his ilk, He's still relatively young. He's been around the block. What is he? He's 29. 
He's played a lot of NHL games. He produces. You can lock him in for a solid 35, 40 points a season. And for a guy you can throw on the third line, that's pretty good. I like Niederreiter. 24 goals last year. Like, this is this is a good player. How does Raquel get $30 million and Niederreiter gets eight? That doesn't make much sense to it's me. It's the Galchenyuk effect. When you come into the league, you need yeah. to make a splash. The first few years, Nino Niederreiter came in. I think he had he played 55 games with the Islanders when he first came in. One goal. That was it. So he didn't come in and make a huge splash. He didn't make a name for himself. He had to slowly work up to be an impact player. He goes to the wild. He gets 14 goals, slowly improves his brand. But at that point, teams have forgotten about you. You're just another guy in the wild. He was great. He you lock him in for 20 goals. It's the Galchenyuk effect. This is what Dubois has. Dubois has no business signing for $6 million, but he came into the league with Columbus. He had 48 points in 82 games. He followed that up with 61 points in 82 games. His first two seasons. Those are his best seasons in the NHL. He's slowly, not, not even slowly. He has dropped. From those marks, he's been a a problem on his teams he played with. He was in Columbus. He didn't want to be there. He argued with Tortorella nonstop on the bench. He was a thorn in everybody's side. Goes to Winnipeg. Signs in Winnipeg are not good. He's not not gelling. Something's not working there. Like you mentioned, who knows what's going on in Winnipeg. But he doesn't want to be there. It's obvious. But he has this stigma as a first-line center. He has this aura around him of being a really good hockey player. He did well overseas. The World Juniors, he played well. He's done well everywhere he's gone. But you look, you compare his numbers to Nito Niederreiter, they're pretty similar. They're pretty similar type players. Niederreiter gets cast aside as like a third-line guy, a a guy you sign in the second and third week of free agency. Dubois, you got to get him the first day because he's he's good to go. He's such a good player. It's funny how GMs, you get this impression of a guy, and it just sticks. And it sticks forever. Raquel has that. He's he's a goal. He's a reliable goal scorer. He's going to be. You can play him anywhere in the lineup. I would take a Nino Niederreiter over, over a Ricard Raquel. There, I said it. Come out, come at me, bro. Yeah, uh-huh. it's just funny. And you get him for four million bucks for two years. It's it's a beautiful contract for the National Predators. Yeah. So speaking of free agents, there's still a, the superstars available. Kadri's still available. Klingberg's still available. We mentioned Bergeron and Krejci. There's there's plenty more. A lot of those depth and role players, but those are some big impact players that haven't signed yet. Like you said last week, probably the longer this goes on, the more likely they're going to stay with their their former teams. But especially as a Bruins fan, the fact that Bergeron and Krejci haven't signed yet is definitely making me nervous. I don't know what the holdup is there, especially since the. The rumor was that those guys didn't get along with Cassidy and him, him gone. I don't know why they're, why they haven't locked it up yet. Uh, Cause I, I don't know. I don't know, Tim, you're the Boston insider. All I know is Colorado is desperately trying to find a way to get Cadre signed. They've been shopping Samuel Gerard so far. Obviously there have been no takers at all, which is surprising. I like Gerard. He's a good player, but it's a big contract, five point three million bucks. I think he makes that's that's a lot of money for a player of his ilk. He's he's not a Kale McCarr. He is a good player. Sorry, it's only five million dollars for the next five years. So it's a lot of money to tie to a player who is just horrendous in his own end, like just absolutely atrocious in his own end. So maybe the Oilers will take him. They like players who play like that. I would call them first and then make some calls. And then who's going to want to help out the Colorado Avalanche? Because everybody knows what they're doing. Every GM who Joe Sackett calls. Like, Joe, we know what you're doing. We're not going to help you. I know you want to re-sign Kadri. You probably already have a contract on the table ready to sign, but you have to make a contract move. Going back to Klingberg, 
I don't think he goes back to Dallas. I really don't. I know, I know they've been having some conversations, but I feel like that relationship is so strained and he is still so offended after they gave all that money to Suter, after they gave all that money to the other defensemen there. They, who did they give it to? They gave it to Heiskanen, Lindell, and they didn't even offer him a deal. I think there is bridges that are being mended, but I don't know if it's enough for him to re-sign in Dallas. I could be wrong. Maybe the amount of suitors isn't there that he thought he would get going into free agency. There's always a big reality check. And I had it myself because I went into free agency, I think, four times. July 1 rolls around. You're like, oh, there's going to be people calling, baby. I had a good season. And then it's just like one team or two teams when you expect 10. And maybe this is the case with Kadri and Klingberg. Maybe they're not getting the action that they thought they were going to get. Maybe Kadri thought he was you know, in a market or he's actually not. Cotter a good player. I don't think he's making $8 million a year. I, I wouldn't sign him for $8 million a year. Klingberg, I'm signing him for five, 5.5 a year. I don't know. Where do you think these two guys end up, Tim? Then we'll, then we'll head out the door. I do think Kadri goes back to Colorado. Um, Klingberg, I don't know. It seemed like the kind of team, like like you mentioned, uh, Edmonton would sign a guy like that. Really good in offense, really good in the power play, great in the blue line, not the great in his own zone. Although I don't think he's a little bit – I don't think he's that bad as some people say. Um, but yeah, really no idea. There's been no rumors or reports or anything yet. I've been working my sources and nothing, I'm not getting anything back. So, and there's not a lot of like money to be spent. Like really everyone's piggy banks are a little bit empty right now, unless you're the ducks or the coyotes or the sabers, but who really wants to go play there at this point in the season, the senators have a little bit more money to spend. So maybe watch them. And then there's the Detroit Red Wings. Stevie Weiserman is a very wise GM. I like him. Don't be surprised if he's just dips his toe in the Klingberg water, dips his toe in the Cadre pool to see, is, is there a deal to be made here? I like what Detroit's done. Don't be surprised if they just kind of, eh, you know, see what's going on with Cadre. He, he's Stevie Wise type of player. But anyways, Tim, we missed a milestone. The dropping the gloves milestone. We had our 400th episode last week. I was just off in La La Land just dealing with the kids and everything. I'm finally back to normal a little bit. Danielle's gained a little bit of strength. She still can't lift things anymore, but she's at least able to pour cereal in a bowl. And that's all we really need to do at our house. That's what we feed our kids every meal, just cereal. They're just like cats. We pour milk in a bowl and they go for it. But yes, we had our 400th episode. Very exciting. Who would have thought, Tim? A little drop in the gloves. We've made it this far. Pretty cool. Pretty cool indeed. Any Anything to say to our listeners, Tim? No, well, thank you for listening. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. 400, 400 flew by. I mean, I remember that first summer, and uh, yeah, we never thought it would be anything like this. So it's been anything cool. to say to our listeners? No, <laughs> I said thank you. I said thank you. You started it with especially no. you, especially funny. you who's listening. You know who I'm talking about. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank everybody for the support. It, it's a blessing. We really enjoy doing this podcast for you guys. It's it's a lot of fun. Hopefully, we can do 800 or 400 more. Make it 800. That would be a blast. Thank you for all your support. We will talk to you guys later this week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.